Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our Q&A sessions, where David and Brent answer questions from the audience and also any questions from our social media followers. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello. Welcome to Tuesday Night. We're doing a Q&A tonight. Um, I know that we've been mixing things up and um, um, I'm totally missing out something funny in, in our private chat here, but I'll have to read that later. Uh, we um, we are going to do one of our like standard Q&As tonight. Um, so we haven't, um, I feel like it's been a while since we've done one. I don't know it's been two weeks. So Dave is here with me. We are going to try to make it, um, I don't know, uh, let's, let's see what you guys got for us tonight, chat. Let's uh, see if you can keep us on our toes. Let's bring in David. Hello. Hey. Yeah, you miss Scott asking uh, <laughs> that. I think I'll ask. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll ask you guys what you, you know students should do to get into the industry, which is yeah, which might be the question that we had the, the most. Probably, M- probably maybe that yeah. with how should I do a show reel or yeah, how yeah. should I behave in an interview? That's, yeah, I those are probably the, the top three classics. They're the classics. We should actually. I almost feel like we should. Um, do like a recap video, you know, in, in January where we go over like the most asked questions just yet again, just for fun. It's funny because those are the kind of questions that we could literally just have finished answering it. And then someone's for sure going to then ask it. And yeah. people are jumping in sometimes midstream. So they're not, you know, they're not necessarily, um, they didn't know what was asked earlier or what was answered earlier in the stream. So it's understandable, yeah. but yeah, that I is mean, a popular one. None of this is prepared. So most probably those answered, those questions were answered completely differently each time oh yeah so Pro- i hope probably. that we were not contra- contradicting each mm. answer but they were you know just a slight maybe different angle different flavors yeah different. exactly yep yeah maybe the first answer lasted 20 minutes and the fifth one <laughs> 23 seconds <laughs> yeah it completely depends on our energy level and our um you know how, how close it is to your bedtime and, and or how early it is in the day for me and that could have a big effect yep and the motivation mm. to answer the, uh, That's it. the same question. That's it. Uh, actually, today we have nothing in the backlog. So we we're don't. solely going to rely on chat to send us yeah. uh, some questions or a curveball or whatever it is. And in the meantime, we're just going to <laughs> keep the show going. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the show must go on, everybody. And um, if you don't ask us some really pointed questions, then we're just going to bore you with some crazy stories. That's we're basically just what's going to ask ourselves questions. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And I do have one to prepare just to warm th- warm things up a little bit. And it's there's a lot of buzz on this. And I'm curious if anybody in, in chat has witnessed this yet. But has anybody seen the Unreal 5 Matrix um, demo that, that got released just like um, sometime, I think it was earlier this week. It was very recent, maybe uh, either earlier no, this week or end of last. Yeah. yeah. Has anybody seen it? Help me out, chat. Have you guys seen this yet? Because you really need to see it. It's ridiculous. They what they did is there. It's obviously some demo that they did. Um, so, so do you know what's the what's the backstory of it? Well, because when I saw it, I was well. Of course, it's already mm-hmm. in the matrix. It, it's already you yeah. know a, a a a world. You know a name it as you will, virtual world or metaverse, whatever. It's already that. And that's going to be created in a game engine. So 
this to be redone in Unreal is just like a little too close to. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but that's I think that was what they were playing with. I think that was the whole point. Um, and they, um, I mean, obviously they were piggybacking on the you know the development of of the uh, the new film, mm-hmm. and um, and so I don't know. They just I, someone had the great idea marketing. They break the fourth wall a lot in the demo where they talk about marketing and don't don't like whatever you do don't don't get too close to marketing. They they have a lot of fun during the whole thing, which is you know kind of meta and like the way the movies were done too. Like there's always that meta kind of feeling to the whole thing. Yeah. But they um they they just took the opportunity to just drill home just how powerful um and how realistic that real time can look in Unreal Engine five. It's just it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. So, so uh, I've heard a lot about it. I've saw a lot of posts about it, but I've not seen it. What mm-hmm. what is it? Uh, well, do you want me to do you want me to show a little bit of it? I mean, if anything, we could use this particular evening to to educate you on this Matrix demo. Sure. Let's let's see if we get in trouble with uh, all the. Uh, oh yeah, we should be okay because it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a demo. Like I would imagine they would want that I guess. to be shared. I mean, we're going to do it anyway. I'm, I'm just saying that. Let, let's see. I like it. Yeah, no, I like it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's see what happens. So someone let, let us know if uh, we're getting, yeah. you know, stopped on Twitch or YouTube. If, if anything, it would probably be YouTube, I would imagine. So let's see. Let me just set this up here. Um, play. Oh, no. Like this. And I'm going to do... Would have been smart if I downloaded it. Come on, Brent. I could do it. I could do it. I'm good. Do it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Um, We go full screen over here. Okay. Check this out. Here we go. I will put us over here. Oh, it's already done. Uh Okay. Check it. Check it out. Violence. Oh, there's violence. So yeah, yeah. Let let. So you know if you're. You know, easily triggered by violence, you should probably look away. Here we go. <laughs> Are you going to play the all of it? No, no, no. We're just going to play a little bit at the beginning. Okay. You got it. Like, I think it's the, the way that they start is pretty cool. It kind of gets you in there right away. It gives you the basic idea. I'll skip ahead to some of the gameplay stuff that they do. You have a, a little bit of background story of why they they chose to. I don't. Do I don't know why they did. I I want to. I want to know like who who came up with this genius idea to do it. Just obviously someone, someone. I mean, know you know who could tell us a little bit more about this would be Jeet because he was the one that actually told me, "Hey, did you see it? We just dropped something Ooh. really crazy." So we can heal have backstory for sure. G Shroff is a buddy of mine who's uh, he's um, he just um, started over at um, Epic. I feel outside the limitations of the real world. All in Unreal the 5, right? All of it. Mirrors, reflecting back even this. What even this? This is Unreal 5, dude. The world. That's pretty impressive. About why we want to choose this. Are you sure? Well, I mean, why we I think it is. I don't know. It, it looks Where do ideas of who we are pretty real. Oh, yeah, no, I think you're right. I don't think this is. Oh. You take the red pill, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Well, I mean... This isn't real. What is real? How do you define real? For instance, I'm not even sure why I'm here. 
I don't know, man. I feel like it could be I remember waking something up about and it. thinking that I'm supposed to come here. That it was important for me to ask people. How do we know what is real? That, that's not that, that's not real. That's that's 3D for sure. Hi. I'm Keanu Reeves. Over 20 years ago, I first played the character Thomas Anderson in the Matrix trilogy. I got to say if it's all real time and unreal time, it's pretty impressive. Like Back then we talked a lot about where the digital age might take cinema and narrative. Cuz it didn't say at the very beginning it's all the footage. Cuz if you look really carefully here at the eyes, that's not a real person. Well, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, I see maybe six FPS. And, oh, okay, yeah. well, that, that's young him. So the that's definitely, yeah, definitely coming more. Here. Hi, I'm Carrie Ann Moss, and I played Trinity in The Matrix. We have Gerber, uh, that, 20 years ago, we Gerber asked Lama ourselves how long it would be mix. before faces and bodies really? could be changed. As e oh, it just says that the following is captured. Like, if you, if you put a disclaimer that says this... The following is was captured in real time on PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X. It says to me that they're that they're it's all like I mean otherwise it feels I don't know. All right, it well let's, mix, let's assume for a second that it's real. So, but well, no, that it's all in uh, Unreal. That that's pretty that's crazy that's pretty if cool. that's the case. Yeah, and then they they move on to like a bit of a demo here, and this is all this is definitely all Unreal as well. Agents are bad. But whatever you do, stay the hell away. And then from it turns Mark. into a, it segues into this really cool gameplay demo. No oh, here we go. Here we go. Transit transition into the gameplay. Oh man, it's just crazy. But now you're making me now you're making me second guess. I really want to know, but. Uh, yeah, see, it's well, all as, about as, animation. Also, thinks it's all U U U U five. Someone in chat, may, may, make the research. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get me off the hook here because I'm because what the weird thing is is there is an inconsistency to the actual quality sometimes, which is interesting. That's why I'm kind of like I don't know. It's got me second yeah. guessing, but but I know but, for sure this stuff here. That's definitely not real. That's not real Kino. But the, but the first shot, I agree, was like... But even if it's all in Unreal and this is running on, you know, super boosted PC, whatever, it means that it's going to run on, on most, you know, computer, if not mobile devices, oh, yeah. in five years. Or, That's the crazy so part. It, it's how fast it, it, it's going right now. So It's, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This was PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, I believe, was the two that they were using to demo. And, and during the demo, they kind of they changed the logo at the bottom to let you know which one was which because there's subtle differences, obviously, because different hardware. But yeah. Anyways, I'm going to do a little my own homework here because now I want to know. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that it's all. all Pretty all impressive. Engine. So how many? So the demo features, performance. I guess, well, yeah, from Veronica, from what Veronica yep. is sharing, seems that it could be all in. It has uh, to be, because otherwise it would be not, like, why people wouldn't be so excited by it, because it's like, there's a lot of just standard yeah. affair in there, but this, the fact that we're both debating is exactly what they yeah. are hoping we were going to do. I would say probably five years for this to run on most PC, laptop, maybe even mobile device, and another five years to run two feed in 8K, yeah. To to have a fully immersed like VR environment, so yep. within ten years for sure, uh, a reproduction of you know reality to the point that we're wondering is it real or is it no, not yeah. real? Oh my god! Ten years is, is is I think the maximum that is going to to take.
Dude, I'm going to be too old. I'll be like that old man who won't know how to use technology now. That's not going to be fun. No, you, you'll still be there. I think so? I hope yeah. so. <laughs> I'll still be with it. Sharp, sharp as a knife. I want to check it out. So yeah, there. That's that's what yeah. I'm excited by right now in the news. I cool. think that uh, between um, you know between Unity buying up uh, pretty much everything um, and um, and and Unreal having already done that for a while and yeah. seemingly conquering. I it's it's interesting to see this happen and play out though, right? I mean, th- what I see here is almost a pissing contest now. When you start having demos like this, <laughs> this is like oh okay. Okay, Unity, I see you're buying Weta and I raise you this ridiculous demo that like have fun beating that. So it's going to get interesting, I think, real quick with those two titans going at each other. It's super interesting because we we thought that Unity was left in the dust, you know, behind and then they made a few purchases and then they purchased Weta. And then recently, like two or three weeks ago, they purchased a sync sketch and then like, wait a minute, where is all this money coming from? Oh, they went public. So now they have a lot of investment that he, they, they can make so you know they're basically trying to catch up with That's all it. of those uh, uh investments so that that makes it very interesting because we, we know that you know there's a reason why there's laws against uh monopoly yeah uh, because it, it just kills competition stagnates. which means that yeah, yeah exactly it, it stagnates so to have a healthy competition uh, between yep. two giants like Unity and Unreal is, is yep. just... It's well, so I, I mean, it, it depends if you have a dystopian view of where all of this is going, then <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not it a good depend. news because it's only yeah. going to accelerate uh, mm-hmm. this this reality. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and, and to use the IP of the Matrix for that is just I know. perfect. It's, it's just clever. perfect. Very clever. And it has the perfect level of nostalgia from yep. everyone. I think it's in yep. 99, end of the 90s that, that yep. it got released. And even at, at the time, it was like, oh, my God, a kind of totally dystopian, dystopian view yep. of the future. Yep. But and now we're getting closer. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the Matrix was starting to come back into the the dialogue because it seems that we're slowly go- going there. And yep. so just the timing of the remake of the movie. It's and everything. This, so they will, I agree. It, it's, it's perfect. Yep. Perfect marketing. It is. It is perfect marketing. And it's uh, it's funny, too, because, like, as you were saying, like, when this movie came out, it was, like, bleeding edge for VFX. Like, that was, mm-hmm. like, people were like, what the? Like, they were yeah. pulling all, all kinds of new tech for that, like, the, the the bullet cam and all that stuff. And 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 so now they're kind of like, yeah, I remember when that was, like, the best you could do in film. Like, how about, yeah. I, how about do it in real time? And it look it makes it look even better. That's sort of the statement that you get out of that. Yeah, there's not a lot of movies from the 90s that aged well in terms no. of VFX when you look at them. There's no. a couple. I mean, we can argue <laughs> that even Jurassic Park kind of aged well, even if now you can see that it's yeah. CG and you kind of see the difference between. Yeah. Uh, but it's... but The Matrix aged super, super well. Yeah, I find I... that I feel like the tech that when I look at those older films, the thing that usually sticks out is the compositing. Usually it's like there was like you could see that the blacks were different and they had a hard time. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way that the movies were then reproduced and then remastered. Because yeah. I mean, I don't know how many, how many in the audience might know like the process behind compositing and color grading, but you know, it all has a lot to do with with color space. And if that color space changes, uh, depending on how it was done in the first place, it may start to show its seams, unfortunately. And I think it's what we're seeing a lot when we see some of these older films now on DVD because you know, it's been remastered, yeah. but, but yeah, I agree. Some of the 3d back then was actually pretty good. Still holds up like the Jurassic yeah. Park is a good example. Yeah. I mean, back then they, they were basically starting, right? So they were, re- they were <clears> doing <throat> the 3d model and then animation and then rendering and compositing, but they were basically almost 
just by the, their own eye trying to match a background and all that. On most <clears> movies <throat> now, they will create often a maquette that kind of replicates the uh, uh, CG model. They're going to put it right in, on the set, take a picture or just film just to know exactly how the light is going to react to it. And then basically it's their reference with the 3D model mm -hmm. afterwards to be able to yep. reproduce it. But um, yeah. I don't know if I'm remembering this right, but Jurassic Park, I feel like it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were their original plan was to go with Will Vinton Studios and like do stop motion stuff, I think. Like they were they I were exploring. It was Tippett. No, Tippett was the one that came in eventually and then we're like, no, 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 let's do this with digital, I think, wasn't mm. it? I, well, I, I, honestly I know don't that Tippett was sure. involved and I know that initially they, they tried with stop motion and it, yes. it looked a, a lot like, you know, movies from like, like Harryhausen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I mean it was well crafted but it was <laughs> nowhere near what it uh, ended up uh, being yep. and, and i know that you know phil tippett went into deep depression after that that movie yep. because for him it was basically all right i'm i'm dead that that's over he, yeah. he kind of realized that cg would just completely replace yep. Yep. Uh, stop motion and i would say probably <clears throat> i don't know for me until uh a nightmare before christmas uh, stop motion was almost like not really uh, existent anymore in Hollywood. Yeah, needed this kind of vision that fully embraced uh, stop motion to to, yeah. to bring it back. Totally. So, yep, it was a little little trip in memory lane. There. Yeah, I just I'm just trying to remember all the little details, but I remember it was it was because I I remember it being a very big milestone in 3D graphics uh, in 3D visual effects when they eventually pivoted and. And decided to go down that road. Tippett's still alive and like and well. Like his his business is still doing really great. He's still doing yeah. a lot of stuff. But they did they did pivot as well. Like they still do a lot of practical stuff. They were heavily involved in like a lot of the Marvel movies and Iron Man especially. Um, um, and but like they've just obviously embraced more of the 3D to be kind of complementary to what the kind of services that they offer. But they were really big. I think they weren't they the ones that did all the the, the VFX for um for Hellboy the Hellboy movies. I think they were. Uh, I don't know which which one. I know the second one was mostly D-neck, but I don't know the, the, oh, yeah. the others. You might, oh. you, you, you might be right. But but again, th those VFX movies, are there's often many different uh, studios that are yeah, working for on sure. them. I mean, they're for too sure, massive sure. and, you know, they, they, they want to, they want don't want to put all their eggs in the same basket in case yep. it, it doesn't go go well. So it, it yep. usually goes to three or four different <laughs> yep. studios. And some of those studios are then, you know, Subcontracting uh, it again, yeah. Subcontracting yeah. to other studios. So yeah. Uh, sometimes big Marvel movies, you can have a dozen studio that are yeah to to work on. on those. This is why when you when you wait and, and watch the movie all the way to the credits, you'll see how many of those extra companies were involved in VFX. It's ridiculous. Some of these movies, it's like twenty five plus studios that were involved that are you know they're just scrolling by you know, forever. It seems. Um, yeah. Kind of with all the when you when you add up all the subcontracting and another thing that happens is like you said, all the eggs not in one basket because sometimes a studio does not really start delivering and, it, and they start falling behind and sometimes they lose some of their shots and they send them to one of the other studios that is like um, a big performer. You know what I mean? They, they kind of hedge their bets 
Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, these movies have already pre-announced the dead when they're going to ship. And I, 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 you know, working in VFX uh, for, for many years back in the day, I, it was always weird to know that like uh, I'm finishing a shot right now and the movie is supposed to come out next week. Like it feels weird. Some of this thing, like some of the stuff really is like hot off the press when it like goes to, and they can get away with that now because of the, because of the digital distribution before they were not able to do it. It's like, it's the equivalent of, of um, hot fixes day one launch of games like if the game comes out it's broken day one if you're on the disc and you need to patch it before you can even play it properly yeah uh, it's like all this it's like that's like the blessing and the curse of of the new era of of, of content creation and distribution right is that you can sometimes people get a little lazy because they could just fix it no big deal right there's yeah. less pressure to get it right when it's in the box i think it's probably one of my most deep <laughs> funny and depressing mo moment in video game that when we finally mm. okay the game is done i probably by my, was my my first one uh rise of the tomb raider and like okay we're done and then producers were like what do you mean we need to start to prepare for the one patch and then you'll see one and then again and then again like no but we just no it, it, it's over we we run this Iron Man. I yeah, mean, what do you mean? I, yeah. we're, we're all dead. What do you mean? Are you telling me that I need to get up and there's another yeah. smaller marathon that oh, is waiting yes. for me? Yep. Like, no. A series of mini marathons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, come on, David. You just ran a marathon. You could surely win a, you know, run a couple more. I mean, you got the momentum. Just keep going. Sure. Right? A little oh, glass um, of water, a little yeah, slap stop being a big baby. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. And oh, all about animation. Yes, I do work in games and I totally know. Um, that's the, that was the, that was exactly why I was making the comparison is because the two of those things are very similar in the, in, in many ways that like the job's just not done when you're, when you're, when you're supposed to be done, it's, it just bleeds easily into the weeks. Cause like, like David's saying, it's not just hot fixes. It's also the DLC, which, which have already been scheduled. And they, you know, the, the people who bought the game on day one are now promised a drop of new content in two months and you're just like people are just still recovering from the big the big uh, push to get the thing out the door it's kind of nuts yeah what studios brent oh boy um <laughs> well i worked at quite a few i um i started my video game um adventures in toronto of all places this is way before ubisoft toronto i worked for a company called pseudo interactive and they um, they did a lot of launch titles for a lot of the uh, the older systems uh, 360 and the ps3 the um they um they hired me on because they all their games were all based on pretty much um um like carb carb based games and physics they had this really cool um engine that was all written by the cto of the company this really super super crazy smart uh, guy named david Wu. i'm not even too sure where he is he went to 343 for a while but i don't know i don't think he's still there but he so anyways he's he was one of the owners and he wrote this amazing engine like it was like he wrote it, it wasn't like unreal 3 or 4 or anything it was like their engine and one of the things that it did really well was like these real-time deformations on cars so cars could get wrecked and all dented up and it would look really very very physical and very very realistic and even the shape of those dents would then contribute to like the, the new solution to the actual physics if they were to get hit again anyways long story short they were doing a lot of really cool games they did a game called cell damage which is still really awesome they just re uh, mastered this and put it out recently um i don't know what platforms but you should check it out it's really good it's sort of like if you've ever played twisted metal um it's like a, essentially a car battle game but this one had like a tune uh, tune shader on it it was very warner brothers-esque Anyways, I, I went over there because they wanted to bring characters into their games because they were only doing cars. And so I had to build a whole team and a whole pipeline around 
getting characters in. And, and then unfortunately 2008 happened and a lot of, a lot of studios kind of went down and, and, and they, uh, they had a closed shop and I went to Montreal and I've been working at Ubisoft and Warner brothers. I worked at IDOS and, and uh, doing a bunch of stuff ever since. Yeah. That's cool. You're still in Toronto. That's awesome. The VFX was before that, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I did some VFX in between as well. I, I'm, I did some stuff over here at MoCo when we, we did some stuff, um, when Emil was uh, the VFX soup on, um, or the animation supervisor on, um, on, on Riddick. Mm -hmm. We did all those shots of all those dogs on that planet. And that movie, Riddick was the third in the, the, uh, the Riddick series. And so there was a studio here in Montreal that had a lot of the shots. But um, before that, I worked at, at, at Toy Box and Technicolor, and they, we, I did a lot of VFX back then too. So if you were going back into just a anim animator role, no management, no supervision, mm. nothing. You have three choice. You cannot. You can only choose one: animated feature, VFX, or gameplay animation. Oh man, that's a tough which one? And that's it. That's for the rest of your career. There, I don't think I no could. Going I would. I honestly wouldn't be able to do it. You, you would I, just choke and do nothing. Well, no. I just. I feel like. <laughs> I mean, if I chose one, and then I would just regret it because I think that what's most fun is I like them all for different reasons, and I like the fact that I can kind of roll on and off like. I just honestly, like I go through phases where I'm just, I'm living and breathing the gameplay stuff and I really like it. But I think the, one of the reasons I like it is that I know that it's not going to get old because I can then maybe the next thing I'm doing is going to be working on cinematics for a game, mm -hmm. or maybe I'll take a break and do, go do some VFX because they're just so, so different. And they have very, very different levels of, of satisfaction um, connected to them as well. I mean, anybody who works in gameplay animation can tell you just how, visceral and how exciting it is to kind of play your animations but you know it's it's that there's a whole other experience sitting in the theater with your buddies watching some of the work that you did on the big screen uh in a vfx related film like that's a whole other feeling of of um you know um what's the word i'm looking for entertainment. Um, yeah entertainment but also like the uh the feeling you get when you are like when your efforts are recognized um, satisfaction satisfaction yes i don't know i can't think of the word but anyways i think you know what i'm getting at the the, the feeling the, the 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 payoff essentially of all that work mm -hmm. is a, it's, a, it's a very different feeling like i still yeah. remember when i was in, in animation school at sheridan many years ago i still remember having those screenings of 2d animations we would be working on for months and we put it up on the screen to see how people reacted and and people laughing at the stuff that you did for the first time that's like magical when people are reacting emotionally to something that you did um with a bunch of little drawings is there's something really magical about that but um no matter what i would i, I would always enjoy this work but i like the idea of always revolving so i didn't really answer your question because I, I i choose not to david I choose not <laughs> i mean choosing to not answer the question is a it was a, a hidden a, answer a, right a, yeah exactly it's part of the possible <laughs> answers um what would you do Jesus Christ. If I could go back and I mean, I would probably <clears throat> I've never been done gameplay animation. So for me, it would be like yeah. between cinematics animated feature and VFX. I yeah. would most I would probably go back to uh, animated feature. Mm. Um, VFX. I really liked VFX, but I feel that I've been maybe lucky. Uh, because many of the experience that I know about uh, animated and VFX, it, it's uh, it's redoing a lot. You, you get to version 36, and then there are so many levels of approval. And and, and it's oh, funny yeah. because I had a uh, 
discussion with uh, Matthew uh, Dimuro uh, last week, right? Mm. About it, I was like, Matt, you've been in, uh, you know, in VFX. He, he's a close uh, friend. I mean, we were when I went to in Sydney Animal Logic, he was there. When I went in London at DNEG, he was there uh, as well. And he's been in uh, VFX mm. almost forever at Island for for many years. Like, why why is it that? you need to get to version like 78 and go back to version 28. And often another thing is you need to put so much details in your blocking that it's almost like you need to present a final animation just mm. to have an idea of it's, uh, if it's going to be uh, approved or, or, or not. And he had a very interesting take on, on this one, which is basically... You know, directors in VFX are used to uh, feature film. They're used to actors. They're used to reacting to a final uh, performance. Uh, they are not used to just see, you know, motion in uh, uh, like a T stand motion or just step yeah. poses or something like that. So it's more the the crowd that you're trying to please, the uh, those that are going to. Um, Approve your work at the end of the day are not coming from animation. They're coming from dealing with actors. And so it's definitely part of needing to provide more details than is needed until they realize that, oh, yeah, okay, I see where you're going. Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. Let's, mm. uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do this other idea. So yep. I think that this grind of repeating and doing 12 versions of everything and having six different levels of approval yeah. uh, above you, mm. I've heard... I've heard many VFX uh, studio as well that are, you know, passing shots between animator. Okay, you have too much shots now. We're going mm -hmm. to take your blocking. Yep. Jimmy over there is going to finish your shot. Oh, Vanessa doesn't have work anymore. Okay, you need to take this one. And it basically feels like a sausage uh, factory. Some of the stories that I heard that yeah. at the end of the day, shots just need to be output. No matter. Yeah, that's it. What. You're not really owning it and crafting it. It's sort of, you're just sort of like part of a machinery that needs to get yeah. it done. Yeah. And I mean, I've rarely seen this in animated feature. It happened, but <clears throat> when it happened, it's really because it was yeah. like, okay, that doesn't it's the work. Exception. We're going to let you know your leader <laughs> supervisor is going to take over. You need a fresh start. Start with this one and let let this one go. We need to 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 move forward. But it was never a question of management or deadline or schedule or something like that. It was all, always a matter of okay, it doesn't work. Let us help you. We'll take this one out of your plate, and and start fresh. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, I love the realistic creature animation and all that, but it's more the reality of production that uh, I might prefer with animated feature, which is usually way more straightforward. You have your average quota of three, four, five uh, seconds a week that you need to produce. You have layout is coming in. You have you know the animatic that, and I did a clear kickoff of what is uh, needed uh, by the show. So it's a little bit more straight. Forward. I mean, it's still difficult if you're mm -hmm. trying to craft great performance and animation, but I feel it's a more controlled environment that allow you to spend most of your time on what is going to be on the screen yeah. at the end of the day, instead of just having like 15% of your work on the screen. 
Yeah, some people just seem to really, like, in spite of all that, they still, like you said, like Matt, he worked at ILM for so long, and it's like he just lived and breathed it. It's something about, I don't know, again, it comes down to satisfaction. It's like that's all worth it because when you see that cool shot in this cool VFX film, it's just like it's just so adrenaline-filling, and it just makes you feel so great about all that work. But, I mean, I remember talking to Fred Cote about some of the horror stories that happened on some of the productions he was on where, like, literally sequences that he had worked on months for would just be like, yep, you know, they decided to edit it out and it's like holy crap like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of of just blood sweat and tears just chopped off like it never existed and that's just sort of par for the course sometimes when it comes to some of these really big productions because they're editing it to the 11th hour and you never know mm -hmm. what's going to happen like they may make some really completely like 360 decision on something and you're just going to be like, or not 360 because it would make no sense. You'd be 180 decision on something. <laughs> We're cut it. No, it's back in the movie. Yeah, that's it. That's on. it. That's so, so much of big, so much of a big decision that it changes nothing. Um, but yeah, but uh, crazy stories, but some people just, they can't get enough of it. It's just, there's so much, I guess it's just, I don't know. Maybe they just like the drama. I have no idea, but yeah. Yeah. And I would say for, for game one of the thing that was killing me, uh, uh, even with the cinematic, was to deal with the uh, the, the the game engine. Oh yeah, uh, just that you know a sequence can be final. Okay, it's final yeah. lighting, VFX, all mm. of it. Okay, let's not touch <laughs> it. You come back on Monday, it's all broken. Oh yeah, something in the level has oh, been updated, yeah. and someone oh, yeah. didn't check <laughs> if the ground level was, and it's yes, just yes, honestly, or, yes. Yeah. Like it's, it's it, nothing, nothing compares to that. Like, I mean, if you, cause yes, shit happens when you're working on film or VFX or whatever, things will happen, but the pipeline is more stable and predictable as opposed to imagine it would be like trying to make a VFX film, but literally the software you're making it with is changing every day. <laughs> so like sometimes your shot just doesn't open up anymore and you got to redo it. It's like, it's literally that radical where in the crazy thing is it could be something so random. Like someone changed a friggin' color in like some random shader and it breaks these completely seemingly, I don't even know, like the engineers in, in, in video games are just like, I don't even know how they even start to find those needles in a haystack because we're talking about just, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lines of code and then they're just like oh yeah i know we'll find it don't worry it's just a matter of time yeah. but yeah it is uh yeah i say <laughs> and sometimes it's just funny i remember at the and towards the end of the last tomb raider shadow of the mm -hmm. tomb raider came in in money <laughs> came in <laughs> in the morning and someone's like uh dave you have to look at this. <laughs> And uh, all right, what, what oh, are you? No. And you at this point, I'm just and you know, there's an entire sequence. One of the mm -hmm. most important sequence that instead of having Lara there, it, it was literally a llama that was there. Someone <laughs> made a made a spelling error, replaced oh. the R by M, and now you Amazing. have a llama in <laughs> the entire Amazing. sequence. Is like <laughs> okay. Fortunately, this one was not too difficult to. Like okay, let's just repass to the right territory. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah. But other time it's like, oh no, no, sorry, you 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 break the the uh, the cinematic. Yeah, we cannot. Mm. No, we won't be able to. You mean what? What do you mean? Yeah, no. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, right. You're going to relate. Yeah. No, sorry, we made a change that we cannot go back on this yep. one. Which means so you're telling me that we'll need to go back and readjust everything yep. and remove all of the lighting because all of this has shifted by ten feet because mm -hmm. uh, and. So this is what Pretty a much what technical thing, yeah. animator or tech artist will do for oh, the rest of the day. Yep. <laughs> so Pretty much. Yeah. One by one. 
move everything. Yeah, we were ahead of the game until that happened. And then it just suddenly you go from being ahead of your schedule to being yeah. completely behind by no fault of your own, no. just because some random creative decision that could have happened. And the worst part is sometimes these decisions, like I've been in the room when these decisions are made. Sometimes they're just like they're made kind of just on a whim. Mm -hmm. And because it's a marathon. Made, everyone is it. making hundreds of decisions every day. And a few of them are going to break stuff that's it there's no like no when when the decision is made there's no there's not enough understanding of the repercussions of that and so it just trickles down like a domino and uh you if you're at the end of that domino train then you get the and present I, the I, next day and i think that to be fair if mm. every decision on a daily basis which at some point would become thousands of decisions mm. thousands of lines if each one of them had to be vetted and verified and approved by 20 people to make sure that nothing would break nothing, mm. I think that game would just not be made. I think there's some, <laughs> at some point, like, okay, 5% of the time we're going to break stuff, but it's yeah. just going to be more efficient to, you know, fix it as we go. Then totally. make it, spending the time to make sure that we're not breaking nothing at yep. any point. So there's yep. just a, <clears throat> you have to live with it but the, the feeling that especially when you pay attention to you know the fps and the the, the sync with the lip sync and the mouth and you're like mm -hmm. okay we're pretty good and then <laughs> you get home you put this in your xbox the previous generation you start to play and there's like a frame a seven frame delay between the the lip sync and and the the, the motion of the, the the mouse you're just like all right i surrender why? <laughs> I surrender. Here's the white towel. I'm officially putting it in the ring. I, you know, I think the other thing, one of my other pet peeves, I think working in video games, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I currently work in games, as you know, and I, I, I always go back to that. I feel like it's the, the thing that I like doing the most. And then I kind of flirt with some of the other things. I've never done anything. I've never done CG full motion, like uh, animation, or sorry, CG full length um, feature film like you have. I've done, I did it back in 2D, but I never did it in 3D for whatever reason. Oh, you um, did Dana. Well, yeah, that's right. We, oh, that's right. That's totally true. But it, it wasn't a theatrical lease here in North, North America. They just, I think it was only in Europe. I think they had really. I think it was on this thing called a DVD, right? Oh, that what are that? What's that? To, I don't even know what that is. I don't know. They used to sell heard, those at the grocery. Yeah. I actually, it's funny because I'm going through like Blu-rays right now and I still actually have HD DVDs. I don't know if anybody, shout out to those who have HD DVDs. Dude, when both got released, I was like, oh, Blu-ray, just the name alone is disqualifying. And then of course it's <laughs> going to be HD DVD. Yeah. So I purchased like three and, HD DVD. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Nope. Well, I still have a means to play them. Thank God. Cause I bought the HD DVD player that goes with my 360. And I think it's the only reason I keep my 360 around is so I can actually watch those sometimes. But I was, I mean, I'm, I was interested. I, I don't know why, but I went back to see how many of my Blu-rays were actually in 4k and like none of them are, I guess it's only just maybe recently that they started mastering some of them in, in 4k, but it's just, it's weird to think that even Blu-rays now are like, I'm looking at them thinking, uh, really like they're way out of date now. How'd that happen? But yeah. uh, anyways, I digress. I was going to say a pet peeve. One of the biggest pet peeves on video game productions in my mind, when you, especially when you're working on cinematics, is that I've been in the situation before where like, you, like you've described some of these sort of difficult scenarios where a decision kind of trickles down and then completely screws a bunch of the things that you're doing in a cinematic. And I find that unfortunately, the cinematics, it's they're in this really interesting catch-22. It's like it is... It is now, especially for narrative-based, character-based games like Tomb Raider, there's an expectation for the bar to be really high. And that these cinematic, these cutscenes should be mind-blowingly good and um and like rivaling what you, you know, what you would see in a in a, in a feature film. 
but whenever it comes to getting the attention that you need or the the priority you need, you often get the, hey, it's a game kind of attitude from a lot of the actual producers and especially engineers. And that can be very difficult because the, 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 the job of the cinematics are carrying a lot of water for the actual game itself as far as the overall polish and feeling and the wrapper of the whole game. And I think that I, I just feel like a lot of classic hardcore game devs that don't work in the sort of cinematic or the animation related fields, they don't have enough uh, full respect for what they what like what needs to get done sometimes I'm, I'm not labeling everybody like that but there is an overall feeling sometimes that it's like it's it's sec- it's always going to take second place it's never going to be the most important thing so when when push comes to shove you figure it out cutscene people because this change has to happen for the game to work and i get that fundamentally because a game is a game and it needs to be fun and so if there's something in the way of that then yeah we should fix it but i feel like that argument gets used outside of the context of like if if a cinematic was getting in the way of the game being fun okay then you'd have a point but like you don't get to use that card all the time and just be like Mm -hmm. it's a game so like it's a gameplay all the time it's like well yeah i think everyone understands that but like i don't know i just find it's difficult sometimes to navigate that yeah, uh, I think it, there's definitely some legacy there that, uh, again, mm. we, we, we forget how young, you know, just game development yeah, is in totally. general. And even, fifth, what, 15 years ago, uh, I mean, there, there, there definitely wasn't a lot of necessarily attention uh, uh, no. given to uh, cinematics because cinematics were mainly there for exposition. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, we, we either we need to tell a story or we need to let the the player understand what is going on. So, and sometimes we cannot just do it with clever level design or and or UI and all that. So, okay, let's put this extra narrative layer that's yep. going to help the player to go totally. through this. And yep. eventually, technology allowed to oh, okay, now we can put facial subtleties mm-hmm. and oh, now mm-hmm. we can have the budget to have good actors and oh, now we have PCAP. we can actually do decent yeah. uh, and all this you know, gradually gives you opportunity of creating those amazing performance in the game engine. And I mean, going back to the demo that we've just seen for the uh, The Matrix uh, Matrix and Unreal, like, yeah, we are at a point that even you and I are, is that real or is it unreal? So just the fact that we're questioning shows where the... the, 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 Yep, I totally agree. Um, But, you know, not long ago, it was not that important. And it takes time for people. But I'd be super interested to have a... The studio because that's that's the experience what you describe the experience that uh, i had and it's always like yes the story important yes the characters are important yes cinematic has a, a place but once you're you know at, at in the war room where decisions yeah. are made and there's pressure yeah. you need to ship you're expendable uh, yeah cinematic is not the number one priority yep for, for, yep for, yep for sure and you know the uh every uh, studio or creative uh, director have their uh, reason but i'd be super and that's the story that i've heard the more often but i'd be super interested <laughs> to have a let's say a producer creative director and cinematic director that we can bring on that's yeah. like okay That'd be great we've heard that you represent like how mm-hmm. it's uh, a let's say cinematic uh, department or the team in charge of the cinematic <laughs> seems to be working super well hand in hand mm-hmm. with uh, the, the rest of how are you guys doing who yep. what is informing what wh- yep. what is the the, the process to, to what's make the it magic work? because it seems that there's a lot of studios and there's a lot of studios are simply just outsourcing <laughs> their cinematic they, they're sure. like you know what that, that's not an expertise that we want to build in the studio and we don't 
it's almost like we don't want to create like emotional bonds with this team that's going to redo <laughs> everything yeah, so many times. True. So let's just outsource it. We're going to pay that's whatever it needs to, to, to be done and we're going mm. to get the data and, and, and yep. put it in the... Uh, let just... The drama it doesn't have to affect us. We can just keep making those changes. Someone's going to figure it out because, it's, yeah. like you said, it's there's nothing personal about Let's those find decisions. a vendor or a creative yeah. partner that's going yeah, yeah. to handle this uh, the, uh, this part. You know, it would be interesting to get the perspective because I mean, I look at a game. I look at a company like Naughty Dog, and I would have a hard time believing that the narrative team doesn't have a lot more muscle in those conversations mm -hmm. because it's just such a narratively driven game. And um, but I mean, at the same time, I have a feeling that the game directors there um, are, they are these unicorns that are understanding narrative, but they also understand yeah. gameplay. And so they're always looking for that really delicate balance between the two. Mm -hmm. And because the, the product, it proves it, right? You you play a, through a yeah. game that they make and you realize very quickly just how, 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 balanced it feels it never feels like one's overpowering the other they always feel like they're complementing one another seamlessly switching to and, and from one another that 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 in itself is a very very huge undertaking because you have to understand that most traditional game teams uh, and i'm going to talk to you because i know you know that but people that are that are listening that might not know this um the idea is that these these traditionally the game director is often worrying about the gameplay and then you have some narrative director who's worried about the narrative but because they're two different sort of departments they don't necessarily it's, it takes a lot of extra energy to make sure that those two things are overlapping and weaving nicely is every game i've worked on for the last many years it's always that's always been a hot topic is like how are we going to make the bridge between those moments when we switch yeah. from a cutscene back to a game and then back again like how do we make that feel like it flows it doesn't disrupt the play experience yeah and that's well, not easy to do Jeet worked on God of War, right? He did. Yeah, game director of God of War. So that'll be a maybe an interesting topic to discuss with him because it's yep. one of the games that seem to be blending really well absolutely gameplay and narrative elements. So just yep. to better understand at, at uh, it's uh, Santa Monica Studio, right? That, yep, that Santa Monica, on, uh, yeah. On He's not there anymore. He left. He's now over at um, at Epic, actually. Yeah. Um, some senior technical role. So let, there, let's so. hope that he can actually... See, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit how, how that he works on the, 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 the hood because yeah. that, that, that'll be super interesting to have. It, He's uh, going to be a great guest. Do you remember what date that is? When is he actually on the schedule for? I have no idea. I don't think I'm he's gonna... on the schedule yet. Really? Let me see. Find me. Find out. Uh, he's not. He's not. I know that I've, I mean, there's. So in the meantime, I'm looking, Scott, oh, that's right, because you I had one question. By the way, we had no question, and we've been just rambling for 48 <laughs> minutes. So That's what happens. Out, that's what you get, chat. I see one. Scott, you're asking, what about you, Dave? Sorry, uh, oh, Scott. That, I already that, asked was, it. that was 20 minutes ago. He so. asked it exactly the same time I asked it. He was like trying to steal my thunder. Nice try, Scott. Mm. Or maybe I was trying to steal his. We'll All right. Know. What are your 2021 Agora highlights, studio and community? Mm. Ooh, one from from Scott. Mm. Um, well, definitely one of the things that we started is uh, those stream, and I, I remember it's pretty much exactly the same time of year during Christmas last year that we started to talk about. I know that initially it was a lot about you know uh, education, so maybe live lectures, live demo, live reviews, maybe live interviews, live discussion, live Q and A. And we basically just said, hey, let's use ourselves as guinea pigs and just yeah. try to see how, uh, you know, just learn the tools, get comfortable with it, see how it's, you know, the uh, um, uh, the um, 
how it goes with, uh, uh, with, with chat and just inviting guests and all that. So I feel very much like this year was a good uh, test run and we're going towards 20 and 22. Say, okay, based on everything that we've learned, how can yeah. we bring this to, to the next level? So it's almost like a, a <laughs> practice for everything that we want mm. to bring in the uh, future, sure. especially in terms of you know, education and entertainment in, uh, in general. So yeah. I, I would say that for the community side, for me, mm -hmm. it's definitely the, uh, the, 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 the biggest thing that we started uh, this year that feels very much like we just started. Yeah, I, I think my highlight would, I think it's funny because it's, it's going to seem weird that I'm going to say this, but I think it'll make sense once I understand, once I explain it. But I, I think the highlight was still the 24 hour challenge because that 24 hour challenge the the there was a trajectory that we had coming out of that that really gave birth to a like streams like this where we were like we should just just why do we need a 24 hour challenge to do this we should just have a weekly sort of roster of of things we're always just sort of you know um reaching out to the community and de delivering a constant feed of good content and so I'm excited as some of you may or may not know we did announce um just um last week the um the we haven't picked an exact date yet but we are having a our second uh 24 hour challenge which will be um sometime in the new year we don't know exactly when i'm thinking probably in february ish but we'll see we'll lock it down and um, make an announcement when that happens so that'll be really fun because i think like like you said this has been a really big learning experience this whole time and we kind of have a better idea now what works and what doesn't work and you know the ultimate question like what why would someone tune in live to material versus just mm -hmm. watching it like pre-recorded i think we have some better sort of data to to sort of reflect on as to like answering that question so so we're going to I think it's going to be fun. This 24 hour challenge that's coming up because I think it's going to be allowing us to, the first one was the first one we ever did. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. So I think it's, it'll be, you know, I say this now, hopefully, hopefully yeah. it ends up being better than they're, the first. They're one, usually but. way more pressure on the second. It's like music, yeah. right? The, the, yeah. the first you can, you know, it's lighting in a bottle, but then you're like, okay, and you redo it at least as good as the first one. Yeah. Um, that'll be interesting to, uh, to see. Yeah. Um, and to answer your, the second part, um, Scott, regarding uh, Agra Studio, uh, there's been too much. I would digress for like two hours, but I would say probably one of the most interesting development is how just the uh, business grew and evolved uh, over mm -hmm. time. And it evolved in two separate directions, which is very, very interesting. It was not planned at all. Uh, Agra Studio started as a virtual studio. So we're basically a vendor, like studio would come, uh, and you know, ask us, oh, we need five minutes of animation. We need a team to do that. We need characters. We need this and that. So we were providing to studios that were in need. Mm -hmm. um, and in 2021, it kind of took two completely opposite direction. One direction is studio more and more, and we didn't have the bandwidth to supervise everyone. They were like, you know what? We, we don't actually need you guys to supervise and manage and take care of everything. We just want people help us to find people. So, th so there's a part that almost became not really a casting agency, but mainly, well, okay, let us find artists. And then after that, they, they started to, to work with the studio for X amount of weeks, months, but they were autonomous and were not in charge uh, at all. On the other side, we started to be uh, dealt more as a creative uh, partner on some project, mm -hmm. meaning that we came very early in production and, you know, our uh, association with um, Alberto Mielgo for uh, next uh, episodes of Love, Death, and Robots is a great example of 
uh, of that. So, you know, very early in production, in charge of all the rigging, all of the animation, uh, and had a big part in terms of, you know, developing the, 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 the style um, uh, of the, uh, although Alberto has a very sp uh, specific style, but, you know, just character development and, uh, and all that. So, yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest um, evolution or, you know, the highlight for me is that how you, you don't have a, even if you have a master plan, things are going to evolve in uh, direction, unexpected direction. So there's a lot of go with the flow and take your opportunities <laughs> when they are, they are there. Well, I mean, it's, um, it's funny because you, you, this is the thing I think that's most interesting is the parallel between Agora community and Agora studio. Cause both of them, both of them have that same spirit of go with the flow. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I guess that's where we're going. So let's just do it. And yep. there's like this sort of there, you could, you could fight that flow and try to over prepare for it. Or you can just like literally just try to jump on the wave and can just, you know, just do your best with that momentum. Yep. And um, it's, you've seen, it's, I've seen that payoff in both the community as well as the studio and, and even vice versa, like the way that the, those two things even feed off of one another in interesting ways. Like we always talk about how, how how interesting the community is because it puts it gives us a, a great way of reaching out and making connections with people. That's what it was supposed to be about from the very beginning is about making connections and and, and, ex, and giving access to to meeting and learning and sharing. And yeah. some of the people we've had on have gone on to be like a guest on our show and then being somehow partnered up with some of the endeavors with the with the studio side of the equation, which is yeah. in my mind mind blowing and it makes so much sense when you think about it. But I think there's things that have come out of this that we didn't anticipate at the beginning. It just sort of happened naturally, which is, I guess, you know, yeah. a point for just sometimes you just take a good idea and just run with it and just let the universe figure itself out, you know? Yeah, it's the idea of, you know, create the soil, create, you know, an environment where an ecosystem yeah. is going to grow. There are some very minor in, uh, uh, initiative that we did four or five years ago that grew <laughs> into uh, something pretty, uh, uh, you know, mm -hmm. substantial on the uh, studio side. And maybe those stream in four or five years were like, oh, remember when we started just those stream in front of 15 people? Well, you know, that was four or five years ago. Now let's mm -hmm. see where that that uh, evolved. So yes, this, yeah. this idea that, you know, professional artists working with Agora Studio could come create some content, mm -hmm. share their knowledge on Agora community, maybe provide a few reviews, someone is you know from the anim challenge is going to come and really stand out and be hired uh, uh you know in freelance eventually maybe coming back and teaching you know younger so it's all this idea of having this 360 degrees uh, ecosystem that we're starting to to build yep. one block yep. at a time it's all starting to materialize uh to answer your question the the balloons my birthday was on the seventh and so but um she, Christine wanted me, we do, so there's a tradition here. I don't know if it's done everywhere, but there's this tradition at Christmas time called, um, well, it's in English, it's the, 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 the elf on a shelf. Um, and in, in French, what do you call it? It's like lutein, the, like, how do you, what's the name of that little guy in, in French? Oh, during Christmas time? During Christmas time, he does mischievous things at night. Oh, uh, the, the, the lutein coquin, I think. Yeah, like something like this. Little... Naughty little lutein elf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Basically, the idea is there's these cute little stuffed toys, and it's just fun when you have little kids because basically the story is they show up on December the 1st, and they're there all the way till Christmas, and every night they just, it's like they become animated like Toy Story, and they do things. And so what we what the parents get to do is they get to like have these just 
you know, just to get to have fun and, and, and have set these little stages where like they were, you know, like climbing the Christmas tree with toilet paper or doing something ridiculous. And so Christine had some crazy idea about me doing something with the balloons. So that's what's happening there. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> I think it's last or two, two weeks ago, we, we unpacked the Christmas mm. uh, decoration that my 11 year old daughter discovered. It's all, you know, gluten that we used to oh, use yeah. many years ago. And she yeah. just took it and she was like, really <laughs> all of a sudden it all like she made all, it, all the connections like oh that's oh, what was happening man. yeah but yeah because you know we didn't use it for like three or four years and then that's you got it. time to forget uh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. there's yeah. a little part of the magic that yeah 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 what we're missing here of course is the story that he told her his daughter at one point probably where it's like well the lutan's not coming to visit us anymore because he got a new job and he moved to another country and <laughs> it's uh, funny all the really it's dad? the same thing with the tooth fairy right in the beginning oh, yeah. they're super excited and then they kind of have their doubts yeah and like that i know it doesn't exist yeah at some point, they're, 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 they become clearer like oh yeah oh. yeah it does exist by the way i have a new to i'll have money right tomorrow <laughs> i'm totally right. believing that's, it. that's totally that's it they go full circle they're like they believe because they have they just because they're so enamored they have doubt and then they believe again but because there's a reason to believe you know that's pretty funny. I haven't seen that yet. Sequoia, she's only six years old. So she's um, um, deep in the, I believe. And she's like, it's so, it's so, it's very fun having a six-year-old. I mean, you you went through this just recently. So, but they're just, it's just Christmas is magic to her right now. She just thinks it's so great. So that's fun. All right, Brent, do we do a rapid fire? I see a lot of, it's almost like the. Mm, questions know, the question that have piled that, up. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, rapid fire, we have one minute let's say two minutes per per question okay um uh, uh, i I'm scrolling see up one fine. at 2151 uh, yeah i see it at the, uh, yeah time. this one here uh how the demo reel should be like for someone who's looking to get into cinematics and any requirements which are needed uh for me i mean most like 90 percent of cinematics are realistic uh, uh character animation based on motion capture or performance capture so show them what they they want to see uh, if you have experience with mocap show that ideally the before and after so we can actually see what you've done with the mocap yeah good good facial animation realistic animation so yeah show them what they they, they want to see mocap performance humanoid character realistic motion yeah do it yeah you know and if you don't if you don't have your hands on on mocap and you don't know how to use motion builder or something like that then then you're gonna just the keyframe is gonna have to be tight it's gonna have to be very very good you're gonna get a, a big bonus if you can get exposed to the motion capture though because like david said most of these pipelines are heavily leaning into that so if you're coming with keyframe, really strong keyframe skills, that's great, but you may, it might be a bit of a concern that you're either not going to enjoy editing motion capture data, or you may um, just be not very fast at it. So there's a bit of a liability there, a bit of a flight risk as well. So you're going to want to be able to prove out that you get that and that you're at least willing to, to, to you know. Yeah. And if you have no experience at all with motion editing, which is, you know, working with mocap, mm -hmm. just take Brent's class. And you could do that. You could definitely do that. Um, I, I teach the intro to motion capture over at iAnimate. We, uh, we, uh, we try to run it every block. Okay. V plant. We have, oh, this is a big one. Um, let me read it first. Uh, what part of animating challenges you the most, either a certain part of the process, blocking, spline, et cetera, or one of the animation principles, what makes you go, oh, oh no, 
the only other question, okay, I don't have to say the rest of that because she was just saying she had another question, but she decided to take pity on us because it was a ridiculous question. Okay, I'll start this one. I'll start this one. So right. uh, I would say for me, the the part that I, the thing that I don't like the most, my biggest like fear are really technical shots that require a great deal of constraints um, where there's a lot of interaction between like physical surfaces and between multiple people. Those just, honestly, they drive me crazy. And I literally try to block out the scene with none of that. I don't care if hands are going through things because I want to sort of, because, you know, if you're change, if you're blocking, things are going to change a lot. You're tuning things, you're restaging things. You'll just waste time setting up these constraints and then changing them all the time. So for me, I like to try to block them out as best I can and then kind of do a pass of cleaning them up with the constraints at the, at the, at the end. Um, but it's just, it's a lot of like, no matter how you, how you approach it, it just, it just becomes technical and it annoys me. So I hate them. <laughs> So here you go, David. Uh, for me, definitely the blocking phase. Uh, I know that I'm going to be stuck with whatever decision I made <laughs> in terms of performance <laughs> on me and all that. So I have this. Uh, I know that future me is going to hate me if I mm. start on a week. Or, you know, sometimes it's just like, ah, it's okay, but it's not super original. And then you have mm. two weeks to polish something that is not interesting. Yep. Uh, so I, I create all this, you know, extra pressure and, and stress mm. uh, on my shoulders. And on top of that, one of the skills <laughs> that, most animators should develop that I never had the opportunity to develop is drawing skills, which means that mm. for me, posing character, an appealing pose is something that was extremely long mm. and difficult that I could, you know, I, I, I could achieve because I, I've, I had a lot of other skills in periphery mm. of that. But there are some, you know, animator that were just, okay, appealing pose, appealing pose. And yeah. literally their blocking would be like one afternoon and you see and yep. it's like, oh my God, I, I hate you. Uh, I hate those so, people. Yeah, so blocking face for sure because of the the time it took me to to pose the character yeah. and because and the i dread that, yeah and the, the dread of oh my god i need to create something that's going to yeah. be worth my time for the next yeah. few weeks yeah 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 what could possibly go wrong nope. um okay scrolling 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 uh advice to the new people in the industry like me this is this is one of the classic questions <laughs> that always gets, it's, back, it's funny because we <laughs> We started this stream. It's funny because they followed up with like, it's probably been asked before, but you know, whatever. I It's it's funny because we started the well, stream tonight kind of making, kind of uh, taking a poke at how this question comes up all the time. Because it's so all about animation. You need to let us know what you're doing exactly because he's with, new you know, and he's in games. That's all I know about him. Okay. Based on what I've seen him you, say. What, what, let's just say, what are you doing and what is your yeah. goal in general? Uh, that's exactly. Give us a little bit of meat. Yeah. Um, okay, tech animation tech tools dev at Activision. Nice. Awesome. All right. Okay. And where do you want to, to go from there? Because I would say general advice mm, you in the industry is true. It's, it, I mean, on one side, it's, you know, have, have a plan and go there, but at the same <laughs> time, don't and just go with the flow and figure out what you're mm -hmm. going to. Maybe yeah. a TD or character TD. Okay, so you basically are definitely a technical person that has, yeah. uh, you know, as an interest for animation, but at the same time, you're more like an architect or someone that likes mm -hmm. to solve puzzle than yeah. someone that's going to go paint on, uh, uh, on the weekend. So definitely more the um, uh, technical side of, uh, of things. Um, I mean, uh, at this point, it's without going too much in uh, uh, detail or technicalities is, you know, what makes a good team player? What may, what makes someone that others want to be working with, uh, um, you know, uh, identify 
uh, those the, the the strong seniors or supervisor and mm -hmm. you know observe ask questions be interested into what uh, they are doing uh, develop those skills that are in periphery a little bit of coding but a little bit of rigging uh, try animation doesn't need to be uh, amazing but at least understand what animators go go through when they're uh, uh, crafting their um, their motion so yeah in a nutshell be a good person be curious <laughs> be a sponge just you know yeah. uh, absorb for a couple years everyone uh, around you and be collaborative and yeah i mean and at some point if you feel that you know you, you don't feel that you're growing anymore on a project uh, or in a team and all that you know you can look at your options there's a it's a it's an amazing time to be in the in the industry right now because there's so much opportunities that oh, yeah. you know uh, <clears throat> at, 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 on one side you need grit you need to persevere but at the same time there's so much opportunities that you know look 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 at the options and if you feel that you've stopped growing a, a, in a place maybe it's time to look elsewhere if you could because the more time and you know Brent and I I've moved from studio for, uh, to another um, I don't remember I've ever been laid off uh, fr from a studio, maybe like a project that got cancelled and we mm -hmm. all, you know, didn't have work anymore. But the more you unroot yourself and you go grow roots somewhere else, either it's in another country or another studio or another team, this is when you learn. So getting out of yeah. the comfort zone is uh, pretty important as well. Yeah, I wanted to reinforce kind of something that you mentioned. I, I think that the, the biggest thing that you're going to need to remember is that in that role, you are essentially responsible for building the tools and pipeline for a very artistic department. And so you're going to need to either continue to grow in an artistic way. In my opinion, you need to, you need to understand, um, the, 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 the struggles and the challenges that that department faces, because I find one of my biggest pet peeves is when technical people, they have these solutions that are perfect, quote unquote, for the animators or for a group of artists, but it makes zero sense to the artists, or the animators. It's like, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing in the, in the ones that are really good at this job, they totally get it. It's like they they can at least see themselves in they're they're good at putting themselves in the shoes of the other person. But to do that, you need to understand a little bit about what the job is. So I would stay definitely stay up to date with like with like just what it's like to be an animator or whoever. If it's if it's animators that you're serving um, that they, if you're working with uh, technically, make sure you understand and like spend a lot of time talking to them and try to listen a lot and try to understand where those struggles are because you'll be a hero if you can really actually solve their problems rather than create new problems by making solutions to problems that don't exist. I've seen this too often from technical people and it, um, it always ends up creating friction. So if you really yeah. want to be a hero, that's the uh, way to do it. Sometimes it's one of the trap. And, you know, I, I fell in that trap because I started at being a fairly technical I, I I remained an animator, but I was very technical. Mm -hmm. I scripted my own tools and, and all yeah. that. And, and sometimes we fall in the trap that we solve the problem that are interesting for us to to solve, mm -hmm. rather yeah. than solve the problem sure. that's going to help everyone or those that are going to use exactly. the, the tools. And when you apply this in production, it means that at some point there's a time, a budget, and a deadline. And if <clears> you spent all the time and budget that you had to fix a problem but the way that was fun for you to fix it yeah. instead of <laughs> yeah. of providing what the the, the team really needed yep. this is where it, it becomes difficult 
for yep. everyone. So just be mindful of the <clears throat> big picture of what you're, you and the team and the project is trying to. Yeah. To like it, at the end of the day, it's, it's I, I, the analogy I like to make is like, um, you know, a mechanic and an engineer developing a race car. It would be weird for them to de develop this race car and the technology, but having no experience behind the wheel and not spending any time really getting to understand the driver. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's a team. It's like the driver is going to be the one using it. They, you need to make sure that you're making it ergonomic for them, for them specifically. It's a very specific problem to solve. You, your ideas might be great, but do they apply to the person in question that's going to be using the tool is the main question. I just find that some people I've noticed have lost their way. And sometimes that creates just a ton of friction and it's just not worth it. So just, you know, that, that would be my biggest, biggest piece of advice. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to answer your question, Andrian B. <laughs> the question was, <laughs> how, how many walk cycles to get a job? I would say you just need one as long as, as it's, it's really good. amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's it. We did it all the way to the bottom. It. Yep. That's handing it's with perfect. a little rapid fire there. Yeah, yeah. Good times. See, okay, we don't well, question in the backlog. Yeah, we don't. We can, we can totally just, you know. Just wing it. Yeah. It's totally. We can just improvise for 45 minutes and then have all of the questions in the last five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for all. that chat. <laughs> um, well, thanks, David, for showing up. Um, everyone keep in mind that we will be shutting things down for a little bit during the holidays. So if there's not as much happening, uh, that's why we do plan on coming back on force in January. Um, uh, so, you know, so please stay Please stay tuned. We do have something next week, though. We have something. We'll be uh, there next week. It was supposed to be the uh, uh, the 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 roast. The, right? the roast. Yeah, but we're, but we're going. Gonna push we chose it. to keep it for yeah a, a better something special. Yes, yeah, for something a better venue. Special. Yeah, we do so, have a, a conversation with tomorrow as well with Mark Thornton, um, who's uh, from Toronto. Um, he's one of the uh, co-owners and co-founders of um, Neptune. Um, uh, studios. And uh, as I mentioned before, uh, that that studio was responsible for lots of different properties, but one of the more famous ones is Total Drama Island. So if uh, you are interested in very hyper-stylized and very comedy, comedic um, Saturday morning cartoon style stuff, then definitely come check that out because it's going to be awesome. And we, have this, uh, and we have Scott that says on Friday. So, I, Oh, is that where... Huh? Oh, yeah? Is I, it on Friday know. we're supposed to do it? Scott... Mm -hmm. It's uh, no, it's Thursday. It's, Thursday, yeah, yeah. So it's you were both wrong, <laughs> exactly. So it's not tomorrow. It's not Friday. It's Thursday. What, Mark Thornton? Is that what we're yeah. talking about right now? Yeah. Oh, really? God, I suck. Yep. Uh, and then ne next week, uh, probably do another improvised granny like this one, and then no. a Mark Thornton is tomorrow. It's to it's Wednesday. It's right on my calendar. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at Agora Community. Uh, Agora Community. Then that's interesting because it did it didn't get changed on our Google Calendar. It's a good thing this happened right now, huh? Otherwise, I just wouldn't have been yep. showing. Up. That's awesome. Um, one second. We're experiencing technical difficulties. Scott, cue the bars and the and the and the tone. <laughs> All right, Scott, uh, fire someone. Yeah, someone needs to get fired immediately. Um, let's see. You're right. You're right. I think. Uh. Yeah, it's true. In the schedule on the live page, it's Thursday. So and... I think we better get to the bottom of that because if we sent an invite to Mark on the on the Googles, then they're probably thinking it's Wednesday. All Anyways. right. The, the good news is we have at least 
15 hours to, to solve this. Yeah. This is totally random. This never happens, by the way. We usually no. have things really, really well organized. Yeah. This is not at all how things are going behind the scene. No. You're, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking this is the way it usually is. Totally not. This is just, you know... <clears throat> Anyways, so let's go. Uh, so have a good evening, Mr. Hubert. Uh, enjoy yes. your 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 sleep, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll get this all sorted out for you, no problem. All right. Okay, bye, dude. Bye, chat. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so we'll figure that out, but I think that um, I'm just going to do a quick check here because I believe... No, it's not. We do have we do have another conversation on the twenty first as well. No, it's the it's the what was supposed to be the roast. So we have something happening this week. Either it's Wednesday or Thursday. I look through the email chain and it's Thursday. Okay, well that's really interesting. Okay, okay, we'll we'll get we'll get to the bottom of it. So um, one way or another, we're having something happening with Mark Thornton this week, and uh, then we have what was going to be the roast next week, but we're going to switch it up for something else. I don't know what that is yet. We'll find something Christmassy themed to do probably. And then we're done. And then it'll be Christmas and then we won't back we won't be back until January. So uh, if I don't see you all in uh, until January, then please do have a happy and safe holidays and uh, don't forget to stay animated. Hopefully you ask for some nice animation related things for Christmas, you know, from Santa Claus. And hope all your wishes come true. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects, and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs, and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned stay animated.